Hello and welcome to another edition of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast based out of Perth, Western Australia. I'm Luke from That Film Stew. My co-host today is Jason. Hey, that's me. Sorry, forgot to chime in. Welcome back to the podcast. Ah, uh, yes. This this is my is third? Yep, yeah, this is your third. We did Justice League, the TV movie from 97. Yeah, superhero and friends. <laughs> we did Steel, also from 97. Yeah, not a Superman movie. But there was quite a gap between <laughs> your first and second appearance. It's been maybe a month. I don't know. you hassled me for this one. You, you were... I needed a co-host to talk all things real Ghostbusters. So just disclaimer... I'm essentially here so Luke has someone to talk to. Yes. So I might not even say much. Of course, today's topic, the real Ghostbusters, the animated series that followed the hit movie. If you've not yet watched the real Ghostbusters, and it's been out a while, it came back in like <laughs> 1986, but if you want to watch it before listening to our review, do it now, because otherwise we're just going to spoil it. And if you have Netflix, and depending how soon you're listening to this episode... March 31st, 2019, all 116 episodes will be taken off the streaming service. So if, it's, if you're listening <laughs> before that time, I'm giving you a really small window because I think when I release this, it's going to be two days before Netflix I hope someone's listening on the 1st of April and I'm just like, ah, dang. <laughs> So I love Ghostbusters, that's uh, that's why we're here, but I also know you're a fan of Ghostbusters. I enjoy the Ghostbusters, yes. What was your first exposure? Uh, it'd be the movie. I honestly don't know if it was the movie or the cartoon. I had, you know what, I had, a t- I had like a VHS tape of, like I think it was like two episodes of, of the real Ghostbusters, this, this show. I, I'm pretty sure I had received, because it was a gift, I had received it after... Watching the ghost, like the original Ghostbusters. My early earliest memory of Ghostbusters is the toys, and I had a lot of the the real Ghostbusters toys. That's my earliest memory, and of course, I've seen the movie many, many times. But I do think that the real Ghostbusters was my first exposure. Fair enough. Yeah, you were a kid. You enjoyed cartoons. Well, the movie was eighty four. The TV series ran from eighty six until I believe ninety one. So I was born in eighty four. So I think for me, it would have been the cartoon. But the movie, if you're unfamiliar, which I think if you're listening to this podcast, you know Ghostbusters, it follows three former parapsychology professors who set up shop as a unique ghost removal service. That was in 84. In 89, we got the sequel, Ghostbusters 2, the discovery of a massive river of ectoplasm and a resurgence of spectral activity allows the staff of Ghostbusters to revive the business. I love both movies, but you could lay the second one over the first one and the beats are very similar. The first one, they become Ghostbusters. The second one, they become Ghostbusters again. <laughs> yeah. They are very similar movies. You've got a giant staple of Marshmallow Man. You've got the giant Statue of Liberty. I both do enjoy movies. I, I enjoy both. Um, I enjoy the first one more, and I think a lot of people probably agree, but you can enjoy both. I do enjoy the second one. Oh, I yeah no. I think for me, no question. The first one is the better movie, but I get there's a lot of fun to be had with with that second one, and it expands the world. It's great seeing these characters years later. They've you know out of business, back in business. You're getting to see Dana Barrett again. Now she's got a kid, Oscar, and you're seeing all of that. Yeah, it's a good movie. And then in 2016, we got Ghostbusters, now referred to as Answer the Call. Mm. When it first came out, Ghostbusters. 
Mm. When it didn't do as well as, I guess, Sony wanted, it then got labelled Ghostbusters, answer the call as a full title. Because that was like that was on like the posters as a tagline, wasn't it? And it was promotional material. But oh, then yeah, the I DVDs think, yeah, they did and Blu-rays use it as a out. as a tagline, but then it got incorporated into yeah. the title. With that one, you are following a ghost invasion of Manhattan. Paranormal enthusiast Erin Gilbert and Abby Yates, nuclear engineer Gillian Holtzman, and subway worker Patty Tolan band together to stop the otherworldly threat. And that film shoe, we did a full review on Ghostbusters. Answered the call, and I believe if you go back and have a look, we've we just referred to it as Ghostbusters because it was before yeah, that's what, they yeah, labelled it. On TV, I mentioned from '86 until '91, we've got the real Ghostbusters. Peter Venkman, Winston Zedmore, Egon Spengler, and Ray Stantz are still hunting ghosts, but now with the friendly assistance of Slimer. And I believe it was this series that named him. He was referred to as the Spud, the Onion, the Ghost of John Belushi when they made that first one. When we get the second movie, which happened after the launch of the TV series, is then Slimer. Oh, I did not know that, but that sounds about right. And he right. is more domesticated yeah. and he's more friendly. He's driving the bus, helping out Louis Tully, <laughs> yeah. and it's a bit different. In 97, we got the Extreme Ghostbusters. And that's got to be one of the most 90s titles for a TV series. Mm. Like, what can we add to Ghostbusters? It's the 90s. How everyone about have, like, spiky fringes and stuff? Oh, you had Eduardo. He was, yeah. he was one of them. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if... I think the title sounds more edgy. I think, for the <laughs> most part, the world of extreme Ghostbusters, with it following the continuity of the real Ghostbusters, it was fairly, fairly similar in style. Let's talk toys. I was saying I think my first exposure to Ghostbusters was the toys. Kenner had a huge toy line, and I think they got up to double digits in the waves of toys that they were putting out. Wow. They started with Ghostbusters that looked just like the show, and then they just went batshit crazy and did these weird things. Like, so did the toys, toys. Did the toys start uh, based on, on this animated show? All the, Yeah, so the real so Ghostbusters... So the Kenner... The, yeah, so it's all based on this TV series. So they never made anything based on the light, like you know, like the movie actors and those. Le- no, 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 like just based on the animation style. But later on, they made um, a Ecto One A to tie in with Ghostbusters Two, and also an Ecto Charger, and that's the device that has the slime. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so that's Ooh. so those two elements tied into Ghostbusters Two, but other than that, it was just from the TV series. Did you have any of those toys? I didn't actually. No, I um, no. I think I was all about the Batman I, toys. I, think, I nearly the have them all still Whoa. in my parents' loft back in England. I have them. I've Wait right here. The firehouse. <laughs> I've got the vehicle. I've got the Ecto One, and I'll get into it as we get into the show proper. Can your mum like ship them over? Like, there's many vehicles I'll get into later <laughs> on, but then it'll be costly. But I'm sure she would be able to send them over. But all of them, there's, that, there's, the, uh, there's a American footballer, that's a monster, there's the policeman, there's the nanny in the purple coat. Man, there's so many toys. Would you hang on to them? So many or... toys. Yeah. I I'm... mean, one day I'm assuming you will retrieve them. And... Yeah, well, I'm just hoping that they've not been lost over the years, but my memory is that they're still there. I think you should ask your mum if she's still got them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, um, I'll wait until we're finished and I'll get in contact. Just call her now. So I know on your podcast, Rewinding Review, you were going to be doing... A full episode on Ghostbusters 1984 this year for yes. the 35th 
anniversary, but you're going to hold off until next year. Absolutely correct. We were going to celebrate that anniversary, but then we figured with that newly announced, uh, let's call it the third movie proper, sort of coming out uh, next year, we're going to wait. So 2020, we will have a show dedicated to Ghostbusters 1984. So with that in mind, I thought I'd just plug in something here, just talking a little bit about the that first movie. Not getting too lost in it, because obviously we're here to talk about the real Ghostbusters, and you will get to it on your other show. Dan Aykroyd conceived Ghostbusters as a project for himself and fellow Saturday Night Live alumni John Belushi, and we're protagonists travelling through time and space. As you can imagine, that budget would be through the roof. So they had to downscale it. Aykroyd and Harold Ramis rewrote the script following Belushi's death and after Ivan Reitman deemed Aykroyd's initial vision financially impractical. The theme song Ghostbusters was written and performed by Ray Parker Jr. It was at number one for three weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and stayed on the chart for 21 weeks. Good so obviously I've got no memory of that. <laughs> and that was in the US charts I'd imagine as well. How many times like sometimes you late nights and put on you know like the you know those music video shows that are on TV and it's like every now and then Ghostbusters get yeah and it's like I was at work today and in the office came on the radio (laughs) it just came on the radio they knew what you were going to be talking about later have you seen the actual music video start yeah there's like heaps of don't make me list the celebrity cameos that are in it but like there's people all over the place it's in that room with all the windows with the neon colours it's a great video but just to name a couple Chevy Chase John Candy Diana DeVito Mm. and what I've always liked about that is sort of in my mind they are part of that world. You know, they're part of the <laughs> Ghostbusters continuity. You know, three actors that I really like and they're very much a part of Ghostbusters in my mind. And, and the music video, it concludes with the stars of the film dancing and singing in costume behind Parker Jr. in Times Square, which is the end credits of the cartoon, which I've always, always liked. So onto the series then. The plot is the continuing adventures of the staff of the Ghost Removal Service. The word real was included in the title in order to avoid confusion with the unrelated previous TV series, The Ghostbusters, which was released in 1975. That was like a live action... Did they have anything to do with ghosts? Yeah, they and the gorilla. There's a gorilla. It was part of it. Yes, yes. But they had Ghostbusters first, but it was called The Ghostbusters, and Ghostbusters has two words. But then when it released its sequel in 1986, it was Ghostbusters which was released the same year as the real Ghostbusters and two years after Ghostbusters, the first one. It's a lot of Ghostbusters in a short period of time. Now, if you go back and watch that first Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters is two words. Uh, like like our, like our Ghostbusters? That, the movie. Yeah. Like if you look at the, like the home release, whether it's you know DVD, Blu-ray, VHS, they make it in one word. But the actual credits of the movie, it's Ghostbusters, two. is two words. Crazy. But of course, we know Ghostbusters to be one word. So you've got that other Ghostbusters in 75. I mean, Ghostbusters being two words. In 84, this Ghostbusters is one word written down. Ah, it's, it's confusing. But anyway, lots of, lots of confusion over the years. Yeah. But how we know it today, I only think of one Ghostbusters. Mm. So I'd when, say they won. When they made when they made that eighty four movie Ghostbusters, didn't Columbia Pictures have to? They had to pay. They did. They had to pay them money to have yeah, the to name. use it. But if you think back to the the first original posters for Ghostbusters, 
wasn't the title. It's the logo. It was just the the logo. I think part of the deal was um, that they could use the name, but both companies could still make a television series with the name. Like it wasn't a, a done, uh, it wasn't a one and done thing. The intention was to make the show potentially a show together. But then they went in different directions. But it's really strange. Columbia went with right. uh, that Deke Productions yeah. or whatever they're called. Yeah. yeah. Is it Deke? Or Deke. Is it... Yeah, D-I-C. They I, say I always Deke. remember at the end it would go, Deke. I always remember that. The, yeah. It's not Deke. No, it's not. Oh. But, but just, okay, <laughs> let's just stay on this a little while longer and then we'll move on. So this started with the Ghostbusters like being something different. Mm. But then it's like in 86, they went out of their way to put the two words together like the filmation one, to make it Ghostbusters. But anyway, we got the real Ghostbusters. And I like how when you're watching the the opening titles, it comes up Ghostbusters, and then like the the real part joins after. Yeah. So it's like it's Ghostbusters, and then the real Ghostbusters. It's it's an afterthought, but it's also a a finger to the filmation guys. And the intro to this show is one of my all-time favourites. When we've got the ghost who I le- recently found out is named Moogly. You know the no ghost uh, Yeah, okay. The character has a name. See, it's I thought Moogly. it was just called the no ghost guy. Well, that's what it is. <laughs> like, it's the no ghost logo, but the ghost mm. in there, his name is Moogly. <sighs> or if you're watching know. Answer the Call, it's Rowan. <laughs> Let's leave the... Oh, well, we don't. <laughs> we aren't talking. Let's leave that, that movie. What's interesting, there was a short, unaired pilot. And in that pilot, they had the costumes that resembled the colours from the movie. Mm -hmm. And then they changed it and we got the different coloured costumes. But a lot of what you see in the opening title sequence is lifted from the unaired pilot. Right. Have you watched that whole... I I have, yes. It's not on Netflix, so I did not It's not it. on Netflix, but it is on YouTube. And you, you know, many I, people yeah. have uploaded it, so you can see like a clear take on there. And I've, it's heard different. It's, it's, I've heard it's, um, it's a bit grittier, it's dark. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's rougher, and um, I think that Ray especially is drawn a bit heavier in, in that. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it is interesting when you see like the ghosts and things like that, and that's why when you're watching the TV series, the animation doesn't always line up with what you saw in the opening. And I think later on they redid the opening as well, like tweaked it slightly. But yeah, so the unaired pilot, it is it is on there. There's a few notable changes. The icon ghost, or Moogly, he was shown walking away after jumping towards the viewer and he gets zapped and that's when the circle map appears, like oh. the shock. Yeah, so he's like, he's all happy and then he gets blasted. So he goes, oh! Yes, yeah, so there's more to the opening. So he kind of like jumps through the air and then he spins around and then you see. So you kind of like see the before and after of the logo. Oh, cool! Which I thought was um, pretty interesting. And there's a shot of all the ghosts used on a on a comic book. I'm a fan of the comic that IDW put out there. An artist, I believe it was Tristan Jones, or he's done Australian artist. He's done a version of it. But you know it's got that bit in the the opening where it's got all the ghosts kind of like just stood there waving side to side. Mm -hmm. And that's been used as a a cover of a comic book. And it's just absolutely brilliant. So we've talked a little bit then to the style, like the look of the show. Now I watched this as a kid, like reruns or, you know, that's probably what, if it came out in 86 and ran till 91, it was one of those things where whenever it was on, I'd watch it and I'd enjoy it. But as a kid, you're not really spending too much time on the animation, like, you know, mm. the, the quality of it. 
watching it now, the animation is it's it's quite rough at times, but it's got such a charm to it. Like I like yes. the fact that yes. the the human so obviously there's a lot of ghosts in this movie. Does so much to expand the world of Ghostbusters, but even like a lot of the humans, they're, they're drawn like quite off. You know they'll have like pointy chins, long noses. So there's something like oh, it gritty like, to it, unnatural, I guess. Like they're not realistic, but it, it works. There, yeah, there is a grit and I guess a rawness to the animation. It's it is quite rough, but like you said, I think you nailed it. Like it still has this charm. And for something made in the eighties, you know, you, you you can get some animated shows, and the animation you know, really dates, and it's it's actually a struggle to watch because it's so grainy and disjointed, and you think frames don't really mesh well. This, even though every now and then you sort of get sometimes there's a frame that lingers a bit too long, or it might take a character too long to sort of move in a certain way. Minor things, it really still works. It's very easy to just put on now and watch even with all the fantastical sort of um, you know animations that we can view in 2019 like it, it works it's very charming yes i think the style of it i think looking back on it now it makes it i don't know it it's appealing like it it works in the show's favor mm. it's not like there's a big difference for me if i was to sit down to watch masters of the universe which right. just looks really dated whereas there's there's just so much more going on here. I think it also kind of it blends well. Never mind the actual designs of like the you know the main characters themselves. You know we'll get to that. But um, like the 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 tonal colors and designs of like the actual world very much meshes with what was portrayed in in those first two movies. Well, I guess the first movie. Um, you know, like dull colors, gray. You know, like a, a metropolitan sort of just sort of dankness to it. Which, yeah, it just works. It blends really well. What I did notice, because I guess for this review, like not going back and watching, I mean, what did I say? I think it's like 100 and, 116. So I didn't go back and watch all 116. I'd like to think for the most part I've seen all of them. Like, <laughs> you know, over, I have not even come close. <laughs> over the years, not in preparation for this review, but because I was going like I'd do... Like a couple of episodes in season one, two, three, like working my way through, you do see the change in in animation from season to season, but even episode to episode, like there were some episodes that the story was really enjoyable, but the artwork was really falling short. And like, then you could get the next episode and it would flip. And then it'd be better, but like there's some episodes where the characters aren't quite drawn right, or you'd have, say, three, four characters on screen and then two characters would be interacting and moving. And then as yeah, if they're playing like... Yeah, the other two are like in the background, like statues, like not blinking, not moving. And I get it. That's how they did animation back then. So that's... I guess that's what would date it for me. You wouldn't see that today. But again, like, there's still so much charm that just comes with the with the animation today. Egon becomes blonde. That's probably going <laughs> to be one of the more notable changes. And Ray and Janine both become redheads. For the most I mean, part, yeah. <laughs> like Peter's still got brown hair, Winston's still got black hair. I mean, they make, with Peter, they make him, you know, like probably a bit slimmer. Not that Bill Murray, you know, like, but he had, you know, sort of. And like younger. A, a He's slimmer, like, younger. They've slicked his hair back. Yeah, there are some episodes later on where he's, you know, without a shirt and he's like quite buff, you know, they've made him quite lean. Um, 
yeah, I think with um, with Ray, they have kind of chubbied him up a bit. I know you said in that original pilot he was... He was even more chubby. He was chubby, and now huh? slimmed him down a bit. We'll, um, we'll just touch on the music, and then we'll be able to get stuck into the characters and you know delve into more of the changes that were made. Ghostbusters, written by Ray Parker Jr., I said that earlier. But what I didn't realise until last night, the song in the opening, it's not Ray Parker Jr. It's not him seen it. No, it's John Smith. Oh. Just some bloke called John Smith. Oh. And, and that's one of the credits. That's not Wikipedia, IMDb. I, mean, I, thought they, I thought they tweaked and played and sort of added a little, you know, little riffs, you know, for the intro to sort of kind of close out. I thought it was the, the original track. If you look at the, the closing credits, the credits I've written down exact here. It is Ghostbusters written by Ray Parker Jr. performed by John Smith. Oh. And then there's... And then there's additional music, which... Did you know that Real Ghostbusters has an official soundtrack? <laughs> I do now. And it's not the score. <laughs> it, it is not the score. Oh, it's like songs. It is songs. It was released in 1986 on CD, record and cassette. And all songs are written by Tahiti. Tyron Perry and Tonya Townsend. So are these songs that feature in the show? Like do they, in the show, do they feature on him? They must they be in do later episodes. Did you watch the the Boogeyman episode? Yes. Yeah. Well, their song features prominently. Oh, okay. In that. <laughs> so that, that's quite an early one. That's like yeah. So I'm just going to reel through ten tracks All right, that okay. can be yeah, found on the enough. soundtrack. Drive me crazy, the Boogeyman. Don't play her game, movie star. Remember home, party on his mind, midnight action, charge you up. Mr. Sandman, Hometown Hero. Legit Hometown, soundtrack. Hometown Hero was in the one where Ray goes back home for a bit and he has that crisis. Um, and these are all songs. I'm assuming the Sandman one was in the Sandman yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> these are all like early on episodes. These are... Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it came out in 86, yeah. which is the same year the show aired. So I guess they wanted to get that pop flavour of the movies. Oh, but I was thinking, I was like, nah, there aren't any songs. Like They must have... But that, 10... At least. Yeah. But they were specifically written for the show. Wow. So I thought, because I, I generally like the score. I think it's got like an eerie. I, I like what, I, I love what Elmer Bernstein did with the Ghostbusters score. I absolutely love it. And it's creepy. It's and, just, just the same in this show. It's... And it's here as well. Mm. But the composers on this are providing additional music. You've got Haim Sieben and Chuki Levi. And they're the guys that are prominently involved with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, what? And these guys are big-time producers in those areas, for those kind of, like, kid shows, Saturday morning TV. But they are both composers. So the music, the score that you're hearing in the real Ghostbusters, it's these guys. Wow. And I just thought, like... On top of the score, like they use, I mean, they what I thought was that Ray Parker Jr. song, you know, like the Ghostbusters. I mean, they use that a lot. And you know what? If you've got it, use it. That's what I say. <laughs> they they do. So in your use opinion, it a lot. do you reckon they use it too? Like they no. they use it a lot. They use it the right amount. Do not binge this show because you will just have <laughs> stuck in yeah, your head. But it, like, that's it. Like that's what it does. That's it's the what music. the song does. That's, yeah. the, that's the music, and that's what I love, and it makes it feel a part of the movie mm. like the movie continuity and you do get mentions of Gozer we've got Staple from Marshmallow Man so they do touch on on the movie but just having that music even though again just found out it's John Smith whoever's singing <laughs> it works and yeah, it, it I does mean, 
feel the part. It sounds of the movie. legit. <laughs> so let's get on to the voice actors then. We have Lorenzo Music voicing Peter Venkman, but he only did seasons one and two. Right, and then it was Dave Collier took over, didn't he, after that? Yes, 83 through 7. I checked out a couple of the later episodes just to see the voice change. And is it noticeable? Oh, it's so noticeable. Okay. Especially when... Because I was watching mainly the first chunk. I watched like the first like 20 episodes and then I picked and chewed, like just snippets of like later ones. And Lorenzo music is incredible compared to Dave Cooley. Not to knock... It's just so different and... Which do you prefer? The uh, Lorenzo. Lorenzo okay. music, for sure. You know, with Lorenzo, apparently Bill Murray didn't like the fact that his character sounded like Garfield. <laughs> which is funny, because years later, Bill Murray when they like, did yeah. the live-action movie, Bill Murray, yeah, then voices I Garfield. Was, when I was... It does sound just like Garfield. I mean, when I was watching, like, listening, because... I mean, I guess in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, it sounds like Bill Murray. Well, it kind of sounds like Bill Murray. But I was listening to it, and I was going, I was like, every now and then, it just sounds like Garfield. I mean, he's right. It, yeah, it's, it's strange. But it is amazing how much he sort of, without without just doing Bill Murray, it sounds like Bill Murray. Well, it sounds like he's, it sounds like Venkman. The sarcasm, the, the dry voice, the... It works really well. Delivery. We have Maurice LaMarche as Egon Spengler. But what I did read, though, apparently LaMarche was unable to come up with the right voice for Egon, so he decided to simply do an impression of Harold Ramis. I heard he was told by producers and director, whoever was in you know, the creative process, he was told not to do an impression. They were like, do whatever you want, and we'll see what it's like, but don't do an impression. I mean, he clearly has. So he did an impression. <laughs> but damn. It's a really good one. Like, it's a really good impression. Every line... Like, he just plays everything so bland. It's amazing. But his hair, man. Like, this is going back <laughs> to the animation. What, like, how? I mean, because I've lived with this show for my entire life. Like, you're used to I've not to known it. any different. But if you look at it objectively, what the hell is going on? Like, if they brought out this show out now and it was brand new, everyone would be in the streets, like, screaming. Egon doesn't strike <laughs> me as a character that would spend that much time on his hair. And that looks like it takes time. <laughs> like there's there's nah. a lot of products that goes into nah, that. Nah, he just showers and just like... You just think it's a big natural just, curl. just twists it, yeah. It's dry and twist. Blonde, twirly hair. Like a big like surfer curl on Do the you front. think with the... I mean, obviously they are capturing those characters from the movie and putting them you know, in animated, animated form. Do you think they there was an effort to make them look distinctly different? Still... Oh, they had to. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't. Yeah, there's there's something about them not. They weren't allowed like to use the Like a contractual thing, yeah, a yeah. money thing involved. They had to look different. And that may be why they were leaning so hard on uh, LaMarche not to do an impression because to have the distance from that <laughs> yeah. movie. But I'm just it so works glad well, he did. And like I said, like every time, even when he's having a hell good time, you know, like Winston says to ask him, Are you having a good time? And he says, just says, I'm having the best time. He, it's honestly, amazing. He, he, he does such a good job. He genuinely is having a good time. <laughs> Let's talk about his design some more. Red spectacles. Like, he just seems very outside-the-box thinking. More thinking, you know, all their jumpsuits look different. He's got the pink collars. It kind of works. And, and again, with the blue... The, he has yeah. the blue jumpsuit, yeah. Like, light blue. In that uned pilot, they did all have the, the same costumes as the movie. And I guess what they were wanting to do is to separate them some more. You know, like what they did with the 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, with the different colours. In the comics. Uh, bands and originally, stuff. the comics started black and white, and then when they were in colour, they all had the red eye masks. Right. And they wanted to, them to look a little bit different, so then they incorporated the different colours. That definitely works. In an animated show, you know, if they are obviously directing it at kids in some way, yeah, colours work. And think when, when it's a toy as well. Like on yeah. screen, the, you've got the voices, which does make them sound different, but it just, it just adds to it. And I like the design. I mean, I wouldn't want them to do it in live action, but in the show, it works really well having them have different colours. With Ray Stance, he is voiced by Frank Welker. Very talented man, he is. Well, he also does Slimer, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, Mayor Lenny Clotch, Manx, and Scarface. So he's um, busy like, doing, <laughs> doing lots of voices. So he was he was like the voice of like the Gremlins, or like uh, maybe one or two of the Gremlins or oh, something. Oh, really? What? Yeah, so oh, cool. if you notice um, in the early episodes, because I looked at it and I was like, he sounds like, is it Mowgli? Maybe, know. yeah. But yeah, Slime, I was like, he sounds like that gremlin from Gremlins. I was like, he was doing that. Like, I was like, he sounds like a gremlin. The sh- that, yeah, it was. The show really captures Dan Aykroyd's portrayal of Ray. I think very well. It captures the the childlike quality. Like yeah. in that first movie, when they're looking at the firehouse and it's like, this is a hazard. You know, it's overpriced. <laughs> and he's all enthusiastic and Ray's like, we'll take it. Let's sleep here tonight. And he's so excited. And they bring that to the show like you very much got him being that, there's that like Boogeyman episode where you know he has a teddy or whatever it is that, that toy and he's like oh wow actually every time they mention some sort of toy he gets really excited and you know they, they're like oh we need someone with childlike qualities to bring out the Boogeyman they use Ray there it is and it's what people say <laughs> Ray stands heart of the Ghostbusters but he's a like yeah there's just there's a charm and maybe his character design as well like adds to it you know it's very like uh, it makes him approachable, cuddly, sort of, you know, like the teddy bear of the of the gang. Arsenio Hall voices Winston Zeddemore for three seasons. Okay, so he was replaced as well. By Buster Jones, four through seven. You know, Ernie Hudson, Winston, yep. in, in the movie. Yes, we hear, yes. <laughs> auditioned for the animated series ah. and didn't get the part. Did he want it or was it? Yeah, like he, of course he wanted it. He auditioned. <laughs> Why else was, he went to the audition, he read the lines, and it's like, unfortunately, you're not right for this part. Well, that's not right, is it? It's <laughs> like, well, it's me. <laughs> he, he didn't get it. So what do you, what do, you do? I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, what else went on? Did he ask for too much money? Maybe that was it. Was he legit just I, not the best? <laughs> well, we've touched on it already. I think the show wanting to distance itself from the movies, whether it's the likeness, right. the sound. But Maybe it, they figured, look, if we can't get all four, what's like, why have one? You might as well not, not in the, you know, in a. I week. mean, they had Arsenio for three. I reckon, I reckon Hudson would have stuck <laughs> around for all seven. He'd, he'd have done the whole thing. You know, I almost met Ernie Hudson. I've never met a Ghostbuster. I almost did. Turned up to the convention, and he pulled out at the last minute. And I'm sure he has legitimate reasons. But I travelled far, <laughs> and I got there, and to find he, he wasn't there. What year was it? Oh, it's been years and years ago. This was oh, maybe 15 years ago. It was a long time ago. Mm. We've got Janine in the show, voiced by Laura Summer, seasons one through one through two, uh, replaced by Kath Saus. Yeah, I did. I in did three till seven. I did notice uh, a slight change. <laughs> I say slight, quite a big change. When yeah, and in the later episode, I Laura like, Summer missed the good stuff. She didn't get to become a Ghostbuster if she'd have left I... in the first couple of seasons. 
she oh, did she put a suit on? There was an early episode where she, she had just Venkman, had the She put Venkman's suit on, mm. but later on she gets her own suit. Yeah. Goes on her own adventures. Louis Tully joins in seasons five and six, voiced by Roger Bumpus, which again, another extension of the movie, which I, I like that. I think from the movies, Dana Barrett and Walter Peck are the only two characters that didn't appear in the animated series. It would have been nice if they did. You know, Peck, such a great character. We only got him in one movie. Everything was going fine until Dickless over here. Is this true? Did. Yes, Your Honor. This man has he, no dick. I think he does appear in the cartoon. Then just Dana Barrett. She's the <laughs> only character. And maybe Oscar. I'm sure if, they, if no, no Barrett, no Oscar. I love it if there's just a baby in one episode. It's like, oh, baby Oscar, but no Dana. But that's your cast. So looking at it then, it's only Frank Welker that stayed start to finish. Yeah. And I guess the fact that he was doing more than Ray, he was voicing all the other characters as well. Oh, we had, yeah, Maurice uh, Lamarche. Oh, Egon. sorry, of course. Yes, yeah, so just um, Ray and Egon. Now I've got a little subsection here. The vehicles. <laughs> I just wanted to spend That's a little bit of time. That's not in my notes. <laughs> no, it's not. This is a surprise. There's a lot. Like I didn't realise how many how many vehicles there were. So I thought, you know, it'd just be fun just to run through them. Of course, we have the Ecto-1, which is the prime vehicle used by the Ghostbusters. We've got the Ecto-2, which was a small, open-topped, two-seater helicopter. Got the toy. So yeah, what of fun. course you did. The Ecto-3 was a motorised unicycle and sidecar. You know, I'm disappointed that... I mean, come on, Ghostbusters 3, Jason Reitman. Put these vehicles in the movie. <laughs> Even just have them in Ray, Ray's garage, just so we can see them. Ecto-4 was a time distortion jet-like vehicle. Crazy. Ecto-bomber? Airplane? <laughs> <laughs> Every Ghostbuster needs an airplane. We've got the Ecto-I-Chi, which was a extremely high-tech, six-wheeled Ectomobile used by the Ghostbusters in Japan. Oh. And lastly, we have the Ecto Junior, which was a go-kart that the Junior Ghostbusters used, but it was also the name of a vehicle used by the Ghostbusters in the episode My Left Fan. See, this is clearly an example of what this this show served as, basically. You know, you could... A big toy commercial? Um, I, I was trying to not <laughs> say that. No, but um, like expanding on the established world in, in that movie, like you... You've got so many episodes, you can do all these fun things, much lower budget because it's obviously animated. Yeah, you can design new vehicles, crafts, and yeah, turn them into toys. But you can expand on the world, I love it. You know, a toy that I loved, that wasn't necessarily an Ecto vehicle, it was the yellow, like a Volkswagen Beetle. And then when you live, I think it was a vehicle for Janine, I think that's what the toy was, and it was like a haunted Beetle. And then you'd lift it up and it had like a big mantis creature inside of it. What the hell? It was it was a good toy. It was a good toy. <laughs> it's hard for me not to think real Ghostbusters toys. That was my association. I guess still is. But the show right, worked though, for you then. <laughs> the world building is incredible. Like you're seeing things happen in some of the episodes and it is just crazy. And it, you know that you wouldn't have seen the actors do these. Mm. A lot of the things that, were, that we see later on. 
I mean, they, they, they go up against pirates at one point, you know, like... Cthulhu, for God's sake! <laughs> they go up against Cthulhu! But before we get to that, we... The show had a title change in 1988, the start of the fourth season. The series was part of a one-hour block of Ghostbusters cartoons. It was joined with the newly created Slimer series known as Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters. This title would stick with the series to its very end, which was season seven in 91. The title change also rippled through the marketing of the show in toys, cereal and ecto-cooler high sea drink. All of these products changed their logos from the real Ghostbusters to Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. And these episodes aren't on Netflix. I've checked out a couple on YouTube. There is a change in animation style. It's right. more it's more childlike. It's almost like Hanna-Barbera style. Like you're watching Yogi Bear or something. Because oh, there are episodes on... On Netflix, that have that title change, uh, Slime and the Ghostbusters. But I think it would do, but it, I guess when it aired, maybe this was just the US and they put it in like a one hour block. Yeah, with, so with all commercials those shorts as well. Stuff, yeah. So you'd have like, a, I think it was like a 10 minute Slimer short. But yeah, they, they rebranded the whole show mm. to make way for that no, new show. I haven't checked out much of this later era. Is there a dramatic change in terms of quality? My knowledge is primarily in the earlier yeah. seasons. So I guess when I'm going to be touching on episodes that I did the rewatch for, a lot of them are earlier on. So like start to finish, I went early. And then I guess like, like you did, I just went and dabbled and touched on a couple of clips on Netflix and just checked out some... Uh, episodes on yeah. YouTube as well. I just don't think I've watched enough of the later ones to form an actual opinion on, on any sort of real change. Because like you said, you do get the odd episode where the next one could be hell good and then the next one could but be I think you know, pretty average. The, like When we get into the final season of Ghostbusters, for the most part, I believe that episode style was what we've had before. It was just the Slimer segment right, that was, was, the was a little bit different. And they, they aimed a little bit younger with with the target audience, I think, with that. So episodes then, so I started my rewatch with Citizen Ghost. Okay. Uh, Peter recounts to a reporter how Slimer came to live at the firehouse after helping the guys trap a group of ghostly impersonators. So the reason why I wanted to start there, because it actually bridges the 84 movie with the it series. It does. I watched this one as well. Um, what I did, I, I watched, I pretty much started from episode one and tried to see how far I could get. That was Ghost Sarvels. Yes. I watched that one as well. Um, but when I got to the Citizen Ghost, I was like, was this a repurposed like pilot of sorts? But then I found out there was that original pilot. But this one very much... But they explained the costumes. Could have, yes. The suits were ultimately justified in the episode, which had them change out the brown suits right after fighting Gozer because they had absorbed loads of psychokinetic energy in the battle. And then you got like the possessed outfits fighting them. Mm. And they just say, hey, you've got these new suits. Let's wear these. For the next seven years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it never happened again. <laughs> they just stuck with those costumes. There was an episode, Night Game. Did you watch that? That was the the Winston-focused episode around baseball. No, I don't think I got to that one. That was about the point where I was... I think I saw that upcoming. That was about the point where I started to jump forward and dabble a little bit later. Well, this is the one where... I guess why I wanted to mention this one, because a lot of them early on... The very high concept, mm. like more so than what we've got in the movie. It's, it's like what Dan Aykroyd originally wanted Ghostbusters to be before 
it was recognised that the budget was going to be out of control. That's what they do in this animated series, because obviously they can do it in, in animation. But with, with Night Game, supernatural forces take control of the New York Jaguars baseball stadium and the Ghostbusters head off to investigate. But initially it's Winston that goes and the guys coming and follow. But they end up being stuck in the middle of a historic battle between good and evil that takes part every 500 years. Big concept. Crazy. Ghosts and... Elementary, we'll get to Cthulhu down the line. I was thinking the episode Knock Knock, um, another early one, um, where they go into like the ghost dimension, like another dimension, there's like, that big thing with the train, there's like ghouls and monsters and stuff everywhere, very creative on the design. I was like, this is as big as this, like how can this show get any bigger? But I mean... I keep mentioning Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, you know, when they're, when they're using HP Lovecraft, you're like, hey... <laughs> they're, they're doing, doing something different here <laughs> but I put on the episode Mr. Sandman Dream Me a Dream yeah you and told I, me about this one yeah so I, and I said you have to watch this one because <laughs> he's one to watch but I put it on you know my daughter's six and I'm not allowed to show her Ghostbusters the movie my wife says she's too young so I need to wait so I thought this is safe it's the real Ghostbusters I watched it as a it's kid it's a cartoon it didn't, didn't hurt me any so I thought we'll watch it and then we see the Sandman, creepy as all hell. So in the episode, he's putting all of New York to sleep, but then their dreams are running rampant. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the how they've designed the Sandman. It's got like this big blockhead. He's got this wispy, menacing voice. Can you do it. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> and the Sandman. But no, it's terrible. But I'm I'm watching it with my daughter, and then we get about halfway, and you know the Sandman's doing his thing. I turn to her, and she looks at me. And she's like, I'm not scared. And then looks back at the TV and I'm like, oh, crap. Do not tell your mother. Keep this between us. But that was a, that was a great episode. I mean, he's designed his face, yeah. And we are introduced on the little pin all eyes, but we're introduced to some really good ghosts in, in this series. And in the episode, let's just talk about the Cthulhu one and then I'll stop mentioning <laughs> <laughs> that episode. The Ghostbusters are fighting creatures in the sewers, uh, chasing down cults. And they research comic books to succeed in their mission. That's how they eventually defeat Cthulhu. But what's interesting about that, I found, Goza is mentioned repeatedly throughout. Mm. Well, throughout the series, but they do mention Goza in that particular episode. And then later on, or this episode, it's where one of the characters mentions that Cthulhu makes Goza look like Little Miss Sunshine. Or Little Mary Sunshine. All right, okay, yeah. So that's how they got it in there. But I like it when they do reference the movies in the wider Ghostbusters universe. Did you see the Christmas episode that they did? Uh, Would that be Xmas Marks the Spot? Yes. Yes. So That's weird, isn't it? (laughs) But time travel, you know how I feel about it. (laughs) Well, again, like it was supposed to be, you know, trapping ghosts through time and space. Well, so they, this episode is time travel. They, they come across this old fellow and he's um, having trouble with this ghost and they thought, you know, we'll help him out and we'll, you know, bust that ghost. And then they, you know, go back to Montana. They realise everything's changed and it turns out, oh, that was Scrooge. So they need to go back and they <laughs> need to take the place of the three ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Like, interesting concept. It's... I think because it's... A Christmas episode, I very much interpreted it as being like a Christmas special. 
you know, almost like an imaginary tale. So we can do like a throwaway episode, you know, like, yeah, watch it, enjoy it, but let's not... If you look at it as taking part in the continuity of the ongoing series, it does stick out. It's great, because, I mean, time travel, there's other, there's other things than just ghostly ghouls and interdimensional things happening. There's time-space continuum messing. Uh, well, in terms of uh, holiday specials, we get When Halloween Was Forever... Which I thought they just went bonkers with all the different little monsters and ghosts and stuff. Very creative on all the little critters. That's with the pumpkin head. Yes. Another great design and great villain. I mean, yeah, who wants Halloween to last forever? That's a, it's a great idea. Um, but everything gets turned into... <laughs> like, there's just so much going on. And we're talking... It's for such an early episode to be so, like, balls to the wall of, like, let's just go all out and just throw everything out. It's like, this is amazing. Amazing. I said pumpkin head. His name's Sam Hain. <laughs> Just to <laughs> give the character some well, credit. But it, yeah, no, it was. Head. He did. It was a really good episode. And we get the staple of Marshmallow Man in this as a character in the episode The Revenge of Murray the Mantis. I saw the title and my mind went instinctively to that toy I was talking about earlier. <laughs> you know, where the car transforms? Yeah. Didn't happen in this episode. I was kind of, because it's been so long since I've seen shame. it. I was disappointed. But in this one, we have a Thanksgiving parade. It gets interrupted when spirits from an old morgue take over a balloon of a praying mantis. And then it disconnects from the from the rails and it's rampaging across the city. And it's like, we need a monster to fight a monster. So they unleash the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man from the containment unit. It's great. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a fantastic sort of idea. It's like you know that that big villain that they you know had to bring down. They have it at their disposal. You know, if you need if you need it, we can use. That's it's it's crazy. Like, what an idea! But you know, we've always we've got Slimer as a constant link or reminder of those movies. But just having the staple, we we'd seen him over and over in the opening credits. But to actually get him in an episode is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed just seeing him. It like, pops up every now and then. There was another, I can't remember what it was called, but he does appear again. And years there's ago, there's one with like um, with uh, Egon's like uncle, and he comes and he's basically like, "Ah, oh, no ghost, uh, stop being a Ghostbusters, stupid, come with me." Um, and he actually accidentally unleashes him. I've got a memory of an episode where they go inside the containment unit, and you see him in that one as well. Oh. Of course, yeah. I think he pops up a few times. I remember seeing him. Yeah, it does, but I think the, this, is, I would say, is his more prominent they, yeah, appearance they, where he's actually there front and centre. And it's like watching two kaijus. But it's yeah, Stay yeah. Puffed and a, and a Mantis. It's pretty cool. Uh, Boogerman Cometh is an episode where we first get the bogeyman and he's... He comes back again later on as a reoccurring thing and you find out that he is a character that Egon has been in battle with almost from since his childhood mm. and he takes his appearance as personal and he really wants to, you know, stop him. But that design as well is another creepy design. I've got to say, like, you know, we talked to the artwork earlier. A lot of what we're seeing here, I don't think you'd get in animation today of something of this scale, like... They were talking like a couple of years ago about doing a new Ghostbusters animated series, Ecto Force, and I'd be very surprised if they showed or if they portrayed the ghosts in the way that they're doing this in this show. Because even having a six-year-old, there's, there's times where I feel like something's happened, and she probably shouldn't have seen it. Maybe this show wasn't made for kids. Like maybe that's, I mean, obviously, like 
it's it's somewhat appropriate for them. You know, there are toys linked in and stuff, and yeah, it is a big toy commercial, but you know, it's it's kind of creepy. You know, I bought the the first season on DVD, and here in Australia, it's G rated, which is like you in the UK it's universal. Like, yeah, it's appropriate, suitable for it's everybody. Appro- it's super suitable, appropriate. I think Netflix I mean, have it as a PG. I think sure. But even like the even the dialogue, the 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 writing and stuff, it's it's very witty and you know very smart. It's a, that, that's the same word. Um, you know, a lot of it would just go over kids' heads. A lot of the, the humor that comes from you know the characters actually talking, interacting with each other, are jokes that would just go over. Not to say they're crude or anything. It's just that type of more mature humor that yes, yeah. Like going back for the rewatch, it doesn't. It's not. I don't feel like I'm going back and watching a kiddie cartoon. Mm. I think, you know, an upcoming episode or the episode of Sounds Like Comics after this will be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from 1990. And I watched that and on the back of that in preparation, I went back and watched some of the the TV series, which is, it plays very kiddie, mm. that Turtles kid series or animated series. Ghostbusters doesn't. It's still, it, it's, I think you're right, it's like it's, skewing a bit older and i think it's that that gritty style of the animation as well that helps as well it, it, it definitely just like captures what the movie at least again that first movie was trying to portray and put on screen you know it wasn't a movie for kids you know like, it was for it's kid friendly to an extent but you know it's it's mainly for an adult audience they've really captured that and bottled it and just spat it out as an animated show and it's it's, it's profound how the how it transcends it's almost been on Netflix for two years. <laughs> and you know when something's there, you don't have that rush to go and watch it. Yeah. And and knowing that it's almost gone, I'm sad. <laughs> that it's just not going to be accessible. Yeah. Outside of getting the DVDs, of course, which I may have to do because now I feel like I've got the, the real Ghostbusters bug and I want to continue watching more and I'm just running out of time. Pretty sure that was a vehicle. So was, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are going to rate it as a whole, but we've disclosed that we've not seen every yeah, single episode. Yeah, it does make it difficult. But it does, but I feel as though, you know, I've got a good enough take on the show that I have seen previously and I'm re-watching for this podcast. But if we, or if you, were going to rate it out of five, if you want to go first. Um, yeah, look, I'm... Um, like I said, I mainly stuck to, like, I went straight clean the first, like, 20-odd episodes, then picked and choose a few later on throughout. I did get sort of a bit of a vibe, but as, you, as we mentioned, the episodes that we were sort of pointing, or the ones that I pointed out anyway, were the earlier, earlier on ones. They seem to be the better ones. Based on that, like, this show is very clever. Um, it still really holds up. It's something you can just put on. I Although I wouldn't... Some with some animated shows or kids shows or whatever, they they get repetitive, you know, episode after episode. This one does mix it up quite a lot, even even in terms of quality. Then it goes up and down. But like story wise, story beats. Sometimes you'll get like a monster episode. Sometimes you'll get an episode, you know, about Ray and his, you know, his shame of <laughs> not accomplishing anything. You know, it, it's all over the place. Like, and that's good. Although I still couldn't see myself sort of binging a hundred episodes one after the other ongoing. I'd take my time with it. I wouldn't want to... It's not something I could just, like, absorb. 
So I don't know what that speaks to it, but I, I, you know, I'm, from what I saw, even the later ones, still pretty good episodes. I'm thinking like a four out of five overall from what I've seen. I mean, you're right. It does mix up the the tone, the whether it's a monster, it's a ghost. Like it's not the same thing each episode. They do a good a good job at mixing it up. So even watching one after the other, like so, we've got it on Netflix, and a lot of shows on Netflix, people will just binge. When this show was made, it wasn't made to binge. Yeah. But even with that in mind, you can still watch them back to back and you don't feel like you're just watching the same episode with a different character as the main villain. I had so much fun going back and re-watching this. And again, it's been there for a long time, but doing the podcast today, I thought I need to get as many in as possible. <laughs> I've got such a love for Ghostbusters in general, the real Ghostbusters, you know, having all the toys as a kid. It is not a five, but it is a solid four, like yourself. Cool. The animation style does often bring it down, but that's animation then. That's what they used to do, where you'd have static backgrounds. But even on certain episodes, even I mentioned earlier where the story is really enjoyable, the animation is just really off. The characters aren't quite drawn properly, but it's, it's a four out of five. It is... It's just a lot of fun, and it's great to spend more time with these characters. So that's it for our episode all about the real Ghostbusters. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. As mentioned earlier, our next episode will be all about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And if you missed it, check out what we thought about Firefly. We did two hours combining complete season one of Firefly, every episode, and the movie Serenity. That's like one of the longest episodes. And it was so much fun. <laughs> also, that film studio have a recent review for Captain Marvel and a upcoming review for Shazam, the other Captain Marvel. Oh. Rewind and review have a recent review for 10 things eight about you and a upcoming review for remind me hellboy hellboy that's the one yeah comics related there you go jason thanks for being on the show today ah uh, thank you very much please stop asking me to do these uh, <laughs> well jason will be coming back when we cover we? all things extreme ghostbusters are we as always <laughs> thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time